You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. All right, let's try it again. Yeah. Right, yeah. Blast. I knew that would resonate with Kevin. All, all your bass are belong to us. I don't even know what that re- refers to. It's well, just something online. That it was a it was a meme long ago. A long ago, maybe meme. the original meme. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was one of those. I don't think it was the original meme. But. So, so Ryan, we don't. I don't think we have to get into the dust up, but uh, it is at least noteworthy. I think oh, that man. that. Uh, that you're joining us tonight, so uh, thanks for coming out. Good night, everybody. Drive safe. Ooh. All right. See you guys later. Wait, yeah, bye. Wh- what the fuck are you talking about? I have n- literally no idea what's going on in here. Well, like, A, I was late, and B, I had a thing happen a little while back. Yeah, which is not... not oh, not, the thing. I, yeah, I'm not... We're not, we're not trying to get into the thing. I was just going to make the comment that, like, that due to your, like, due to the fact that you just came from the doctor's office, I guess, a while ago, that, like, part of you, like, you look... Surprised on one side of your face, and then like just really flatline, uh, unimpressed on the other side. It's not That's, quite that. I think so. This like, is me looking surprised, Shane. Yeah, <laughs> Ryan opened his eye a little bit, and uh, and for everyone yeah. out there. Ryan's doing fine. Ryan we're, got his eye cut. We're really glad that he's doing well. And yeah, all that's He's true. with us and all I'm that. Doing so. fine. Someone is being prosecuted in the end. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So we get into uh, theme music. <laughs> I was gonna say on, on that note. I mean, I, I think that's that's a good way to to kick it off. I'm Shane. Ryan. I'm Kevin. And a Mark. Somebody likes it. Hey, so uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if this came to light uh, before the last time we got together and recorded, or maybe in the intervening time between. But um, I did come across what I uh, what has been referred to as the headline of the year so far, which is that um, this is a, this popped up. I think maybe in the Guardian uh, that uh, the headline is Radiohead crowd left red faced after applauding three minute guitar tuning, mistaking it for a new song. <laughs> apparently, is that for real? Yeah, apparently That's that really hilarious. happened. Tens of thousands of Radiohead fans embarrassed themselves at Glastonbury Festival this evening after mistaking the band tuning their guitars for new material. <laughs> Many tweets were sent from members of the crowd uh, during the incident, some claiming it to be the band's best work since OK Computer. <laughs> One fan described it, this is my favorite part, One fan described it as, quote, minimalist but also complex, emotionally raw but still able to push the boundaries of what music can be. That's there's no <laughs> way that's actually real, man. That's it's a legit it's not the like, onion or the hard. No, times. it's a it's, it's it on is, BBC. Yeah, it's a it's a legit uh, headline. So anyway, I mean, it's um, not that surprising. Uh, I mean, they noodle. I, like, it's, very, it's I'm possible, very much on record as loving the Benz and and OK Computer, and they just yeah. released like uh, the 20th anniversary edition of OK Computer with mm-hmm. a bunch of new like yeah new versions of that some was, of this. That, yeah, that yeah. was not released. But that is not all that surprising. If, if you know, if you're gonna go out there and make a really strong claim like that, then, then, then you're a fucking. That's. I mean, I guess that. I mean, it's emperor. I guess that. I mean, it kind you of, could extrapolate that to like criticism or, or you know, like blog, like blog music blogging. You know, it's pretty emperor wears no clothes. Well, kind of and, shit. Anyway. and there's there's. There's this human nature to like be the first to break something, you know. That's what Twitter's all about, and I'm sure that's what Twitter is all about, exactly. Yeah. And so it's these people sitting there listening to this shit, going, "Oh my god, I got to let everybody else know about this before anybody." But can't else you knows. imagine like that stuff is just it starts trending, and then you, you know, you're re- watching it all. And you're Wait, like, Kevin, can you reread the last, the last, the long, yeah, yeah, like, review? Yeah, that guy one one fan it? described it as quote minimalist. But also complex, emotionally raw, but still able to push the boundaries of what music can be. <laughs> I can't believe that's not an Onion article. <laughs> I want to know if it's an Onion article and and BBC just picked it up. Uh, if we're yeah. all I, just I, I, punk, no, I love that then so I'm, much. I've gotten great with here, it. Here about three or four months ago, I waited on a guy named John Greenwood, and I, I, <laughs> I dropped his card back to him, and I was like. You know that you are the names, also the namesake, share namesake with uh, like one of the most amazing guitar players of all time. He's like, you know, it's funny. I was at that he was probably in his fifties. <laughs> he was at a party 
like a few weeks before, and a couple girls just kept laughing that his name was John Greenwood. They're like, "Oh, Johnny Greenwood!" And like they were huge Radiohead fans, and uh, and I was like, "Dude, you really should live." In he's, he's like, "I I actually do play guitar." Uh, but he was just more into like folky and country stuff. Imagine like, if he knew like. <laughs> but imagine if he did know a bunch of like Radiohead songs, like it, like hooks from over the years and stuff that Johnny Greenwood had written. Well, Johnny he Greenwood, may. Johnny uh, Greenwood also did a lot of the keyboard stuff on any composes all the mo- stuff for Paul Thomas Anderson's movies, like the last few movies he's done. He's a prol- prolific dude. He's not just prolific; he's a fucking genius. So, yeah, I mean, uh, if I were that dude, well, I'd, what's the, what's that dude's gonna read, go? Read it again, Kevin. What's the last line? Uh, well, now I pulled it Minimalist. down. Like, now I don't have it. So, <laughs> still able but to push the boundaries of what, of music, what music can, can be. be. Of what music yeah. can be. Yeah, I mean, not wrong, but yeah, they were tuning up. <laughs> yeah, this was reported by this is a Welsh reporter uh, that oh, well, there you reported go. this. So, oh, the damn Welsh. Anyway. Um, yeah, so never, never dull moment. I'm just saying that if you're like, the, here's the funny thing for me is like it does nothing to diminish my love of Radiohead. Like I still think there's some things that that act has done that are pretty transcendent. But holy shit, like that speaks to the seriousness of the way that people listen to that band but, well, and fucking Twitter. Jazz, no, it's, like, too. it speaks like, to the seriousness of the way that people listen to that band or, or attach themselves to that band. But it also speaks to how superfluous and. And surface and and hey, look at me, look at me. That fucking Twitter and shit like that is. I mean, oh sure, exactly. I will say that that is the way uh, I feel about a lot of jazz, where people are just going like, well, people are mind blowing, and like literally they're tuning up. Uh, very well could be. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that struck me. That was uh, that was a little bit of funny, so I had to bring it in. Well, we're here to talk about something. Yeah. Entirely different from, from that, and and probably at least to some extent less funny. Yeah, I didn't find it all that funny, like this but also record. not depressing. Ironically, no, uh, or maybe no, no, maybe that's on the nose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no depression by uh, Uncle Tupelo, which just sounds like a fucking Sunvolt record. Well, it, do, it does sound like he, he, this is this is the way that I think about. It. I want to be Ryan for a second because Ryan is is a genius at doing this, and I'm not saying that I am a genius because I'm not about doing this. This is what this album sounds like to me. Well, number one, it sounds like that really good local band you like to go see at a club, and then number two, it sounds like if you were to take like an REM cover band and have them start writing replacement songs and have Shane McGowan sing them, <laughs> like that's that's exactly what every single song on this. Well, Except, like, like with a little bit of like an Irish twang to it. It sounds like Shane McGowan. If you listen, yeah. Jay Farrar. From I, the Pogues? Of the Pogues. Yeah. Jay Farrar definitely developed, as did Jeff Tweedy, and we're going to have a long talk about Jeff Tweedy in a minute about this. Cause I, I'm, I'm, he barely makes an appearance on this record. He, as sounds, far as like I can a, tell. he sounds like a. I just have things I want to say about this. Because Jeff Tweedy was always seen as the lightweight in this band. Like, well, he's not, he's not anymore. No, no post career, post this career? Yeah, Jeff, No. No. No, things, they, things they have gone on two divergent things paths. Switched a lot, but I mean, here's what I felt about this. I felt like this album. I was actually talking to Derek Morris about this earlier today about um, how when we he said, "Yo, you guys just did Astral Weeks," and I was like, "Yeah, well, we didn't come to you know altogether good conclusion." But I remember listening to that song with you or that album with you when we were on a road trip, and like when you're on a road trip and you're driving around, there's music like it's kind of can be better or make you in a different place than you would be if you're just like driving around town or listening to stuff at your house. I think this record would be great like on a road trip. Like like some kind of record on there. You're not really paying attention to it. You're not really listening to the songs. But the songs are bad. They're not bad. Uh, but I wasn't blown away at all. No. But given the the um, influence this yeah, record but had. No, it's, it's, I don't it's think the that... sa- It's the same thing we always get into, you guys. Like it's the, Like how can you... Can you listen to it with your fresh ears from twenty years ago? Like the fact of the matter is, is like it's all you're always colored by the space in between. And to your point, Shane, like they do sound a little bit like a like a certain type of bar band because there are a lot of they're, no, they're, they're better they, than bar bands. Well, you know what I mean. Uh, like I'm not necessarily. I'm just saying local you, band. Like, I'm saying uh, like uh, they sound like a really great local band. They like you like to go see. Damnations, Graveline. Sure, like I could probably name sure. off another another half dozen, but those are all bands that were influenced by this record. Well, Lucero, but, but, but like, let me yeah, let me yeah, say, sure. let me let me let me point this out. Like I think that that I think it's less this record. Um, than Anodyne, their their coup de gras, their their last record, which is which is 
by the time you get there, like I think it's three years later than this one. I mean, that record blows this shit out of the water. But it's like we've talked about before. There's a lot of time. Like, if you, you listen to the difference between Pablo Honey and the Bins. One of those is not that great of a band. But all right, one of them is one of the best albums released in the 90s. I mean, and that took place over two years. Yeah, well, maybe it, I should have picked the other one, but that's not the one I picked. Well, I know, but I'm saying <laughs> if we're, if we're going to talk about, like, the, you were saying about, it, you know, it influ- like, you're talking about this record influencing these bands. I don't think it's this record. I think it's this band that influenced bands. Well, like our friend Bill Davis. Sure. Like, sure, but Bill this Davis. This band changed his life. Yeah, this band, but not this record. Like, Anodyne is the one where people really, really latched on but it. But this it, is the one that like the whole like the magazine and the magazine the genre, they found it as a genre. Sure, sure. It, well. came, it came from it, I don't think this founded the genre. I think the magazine about alt country found it. This if you go and listen to their subsequent records then you hear a lot of country stuff. This is there's very there's a couple of kind of country songs um, not the least of which are Jeff Twitty's shit, shitty songs which by the way the shittiest songs on this record are Jeff Twitty's songs in my opinion and he sounds like a Kevin, Kevin wants to say something. Oh, sorry. I'll get there. Yeah, so, well, I mean, so let's, I mean, where to begin? Jesus. So, uh, like, first of all, you've got, this is the first album by a band that, uh, that I, I think the reason it seems to be fairly, not unanimous, but it seems to be a ground that gets traveled over and over again when people talk about this record, and, and to a greater extent this act, the thing that is remarkable about Uncle Tupelo, aside from the fact that they did something, really, what it comes down to is that they had they had old traditional storied country influences and punk influences, and those were two things that at the time weren't seen as, as congruent. Like you were, you would follow either one or the other, and there was a whole set no, of like whole a lot of like that a, went like with stop, that. Start dynamics and faster tempos. Uh, I was actually playing this record for my roommate last night. And um, he thought it sounded like Dropkick Murphys, and I was like, "Well, not really." Yeah, but, because the I mean, singer sounds the, like he's Irish. He, <laughs> sound, he sounds like Shane McGowan. The Pokes thing it gets brought up sometimes. I think I never even thought of that before. But, yeah. but I had never yeah. heard this record before. I'd only heard the, the the one after this, and then Anodyne, the third one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I you do get think more and more like, country every album. Like sure. by the time you get to Anodyne, it's pretty alt country. That's kind of set that template. Yeah, I mean, and I and I, th- and I hear you about the Sunvolt stuff. Like, I certainly think that, like, you know. Vocally speaking, there's no mistaking that Jay Farrar is really the lead in this, certainly on this album. And I don't, I don't know if I heard Jeff Tweedy at all uh, singing. Yeah, he sings on the second song, and he sings on he sings on three songs on it. He just doesn't sound like Jeff Tweedy. No, he's, he doesn't sound like like modern Jeff Tweedy. Yeah, at all. no, yeah. I mean, I find Jeff Tweedy to be it, not only one of the best songwriters of the last 25 years, I genuinely feel like he is one of the most interesting better singers like he's he's developed a style it's you and kevin should make out by the way <laughs> no, I, know. I know no but he's but he does have no, a, but he has no, a, no I he's think, the one he ran away with the prize well if you're, he did, if you're but, t- looking at the the breakup with this but, band and like everybody wondering which band's gonna be the one that, well of course everybody thought jay ferrari he was the heavy hitter i mean jeff Tweedy was seen as the lightweight and honestly i gotta tell you if you listen to his songs on on this no depression record they're the worst songs on the fucking album conversely go to anodyne and I think the the best songs on that record are the Jeff Tweedy songs, and he's got his voice kind of developed. It's going to take a couple more years before he gets the Jeff Tweedy voice thing down and the songs really down. But you listen to New Madrid on Anodyne, and that's like that's it's a, it's a slam dunk song, but his songs suck on this, and it sounds like. Oh, his songs almost sound like he was like eighteen years old or nineteen years old. Well, like, he was later to the game, like yeah. in the very early beginning of this band. Part of the like he didn't know how to play his instrument as well as the other guys, and Farrar had grown up with bro- older brothers that played in bands, and so they met. They got to be friends in high school, and Tweedy was really like he kind of looked. Even though Farrar's just a year older than Tweedy, like looked up to the guy, and uh, because he's the one who had the experience in trying to. Do, but they shared some of these musical sensibilities, and so it's like they're kind of trying to work all this. Like this album is a lot bumpier. I agree, totally agree than Anodyne. Like it's not nearly as polished, and um, it's not, not a bad listen. No, it's just it's, not a great record. No, it's it, yeah. Um, this is really interesting. So, um, so uh, I knew that I had I had read something that uh, Chuck Klosterman wrote about these two guys, and uh, and I found it, and I do think it's you know it's just worth uh, 
worth dropping in here. So he's interviewing he's interviewing Jeff Tweedy, and he says, "We're waiting at a red." This is forgive me because it's a little long, but I'll try and go fast, and I'll maybe cut some stuff out. Don't read it too fast because then it's like they yeah, sound like an auctioneer. Yeah, anyway. He says, we're waiting at a red light, and I asked him if there would ever be an Uncle Tupelo reunion. Surprisingly, and without much hesitation, he said maybe. This shocked me because Tweedy hasn't really spoken with Jay Farrar in something like 10 years. This being the case, I asked him what would be the biggest hurdle in making this reunion a reality. He said something that I never anticipated. He said, I don't know if I could play those songs anymore. Uh, Tweedy said, the bass parts on some of those songs are really fast. I don't know if I can play bass that fast anymore. This obviously is crazy. This is like somebody saying that you're considering reuniting with your estranged wife after a 10-year separation, but you're really nervous that she might have rearranged the living room furniture. Yet, somehow, this sentiment struck me as remarkably insightful. It was the kind of highly important detail that normal, normal people never consider when they expect artists to satisfy their dreams unconditionally. So this was the second thing that I realized about Jeff Tweedy. Musically, he notices what is not so obvious. Yeah. I could see so, that. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when you said, when he said, uh, I don't know if I can play those songs anymore, my immediate thought was, yeah, because you're so much of a better songwriter now. Um, but they are fast. Like, they're they a little are, they frenetic are. and, you know, for especially, like, he could do them. it. Just give him two weeks to rehearse. Like, he's just I get what he's, I get what he's saying, though. Oh, I, mean, I know. He's just, I just, I but I mean, taking the piss. Well, and that's a backhanded way of saying that they're not going to play together anytime soon, which is, of course, what happened, because that... That was part of a book that came out, like, I don't know, circa 2004, 2005. So it had been about 10 years at that point since they bumped yeah. into each other. So anyway, I, I you saw know. Wilco open for R.E.M., and it would have been, like, mid-'90s or something. Um, it was early on in Wilco's career. And they sounded super alt-country at that point. Yeah, they, they And Wilco just diverged from the path at, at some point. By their second record, that first record, A.M., was really alt-country. That came out, I think, in '95. By the by, um, I'm blanking on it. The double record, their second record. By that being time, there. being there, yeah. Then they really started to. They still had those. There were some countryish songs, and there was a lot of experimentation. By the was time, Summer Teeth. Summer Teeth was the one where they Shane was super. They reset about the Summer fucking Teeth. template at Summer Teeth. That's yeah, when so. he became Jeff Weedy. All right. Well, anyway, Ryan, pick a song. Uh, let's do the namesake, and uh, we'll go from there. This is No Depression from the album No Depression. Fear the hearts of men are failing For these are latter days we know The great depression now is spreading God's word declared it would be so I'm going where there's no depression To a better land that's free from care I'll leave this world a toil and trouble my home's in heaven, I'm going there. I'm going where there's no depression. To the lovely land that's free from care. I'll leave this world of toil and trouble. My home's in heaven, I'm going So we just listened to a little bit of the Carter family, which to me just sounds like pretty much like Hank Williams Sr. Um, and really, this record uh, sounds like Hank Williams Sr., but speed it up with faster tempos and more stop-start dynamics. I don't think it how – how does it sound like Hank Williams Sr.? It sounds like the replacements more than Hank Williams Sr. There's a couple of – I mean, it, I don't understand. That makes no sense to me at all. You're allowed to think that. Well, I mean, but um, I'm, no, I'm just curious. Like, are you talking about the Carter family that we just listened to? That sounds like Hank Williams. It does, but, but it's slower. No but if, but no like, depression yeah, doesn't. No depression to me sounds like uh, Hank Williams Senior type of country music, just sped up and you know, given a little bit more. I don't know. I think there's a couple of country-ish songs. I feel I, I, I find their country music influences to come out more in their subsequent records, and this one, it just sounds more like. The replacements, rock and roll stuff. So this like, is there's a couple of 
country songs. This but. is a little snippet from um, the Pitchfork take on the reissue of this record, which I thought was kind of cool. To, um, and as much as I smack those guys around, sometimes like occasionally they really uh, have something uh, to contribute. So yeah, that that song, um, No Depression in he- it was based on No Depression in Heaven, which was made a famous Carter by, family song by the Carter family in '36, and then again by the New Lost City Ramblers in '59. Anyway, this guy goes on, or this uh, lady that wrote this piece goes on to say um, about Uncle Tupelo and, uh, you know, and the songs on this album. She said it's also a reminder of how, and this kind of goes back to what I was mentioning earlier, it's a reminder of how strange and turbulent an act Uncle Tupelo was. Country and punk are both vulnerable, impassioned, tenuous enterprises, and the places they overlap are especially combustible. Uncle Tupelo's is uh, typically uh, evoked in discussions about the two outfits that at birth, Wilco and Sunvolt, which we t- certainly talked about in spades here. But No Depression is a significant record independent of its fallout. Now, you know, it sounds like maybe we differ a little bit from her take on, like, how how significant it is compared to the Well, when you say uh, like word like fallout, it, it, <clears throat> it reminds me of how much... I'm ill-equipped to listen to this record, and we always use this term with fresh ears, because I've just heard so many bands that sound like this. So it's hard to, you know, go back and and hear something that, you know, maybe at the time was revolutionary. Uh, But to me, like, you know, just sounds like a decent alt-country album, which we haven't really brought up. They did kind of spark a genre. Well, that's true. Sure. Um, that's a very fair statement. What are the alternatives? The other way to say it, but I uh, think that yeah. stuff really starts. It's a funnier way. I mean, I think that's revisionist thinking. I really feel like it really start. I mean, I'm, no, 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 not about like the fact that they started the genre. I'm just saying that this album is what started the genre. I think it's the later stuff, the c- more country stuff that they did. So give me a little bit of uh, a little bit of timeline here because I was familiar with Old 97s before I was familiar with Uncle Tupelo. I think old ninety sevens were later. Old 90, well, they're a little they're a little bit later, but I mean, Anodyne came out in ninety three, and I think the old ninety sevens really started playing around in like around ninety three, ninety four. Okay. So, so well, there's uh, maybe some influence. But this came out in nineteen ninety. This record but, came out in nineteen ninety. But I would say the old ninety sevens would be more would be one that was more whiskey town of this uh, stuff. was what mid nineties. Yeah, I mean, I mean to 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 the point that everybody's making here, like there were a slew of bands that were. That recognized that you could put out what were essentially like, you know, albums with with a rock ethos, but but some country sensibility. Yeah, like right. an Americana like country thing going on, but you know, just being like you know, I, I don't balls to the wall about it. I guess to your point, Ryan. I mean, there is something to be said for me personally. It's hard. It's hard to get my head around any of it because this basically was my early twenties. Like it's any band. Dude, we saw bands like that like, sounded like this twice a week. Yeah, yeah, I know. So it's, it's sort of like it just sounds like twenty-one to twenty-four to me. You know, like yeah, uh, it makes it harder to appreciate now. Um, yeah, I mean, I can appreciate. It. Yeah, again, like I mean, you have to go. I mean, again, like like you were saying, like you you know, with a lot of that water under the bridge, like it's it's hard to go back and put yourself in that position, especially to enjoy it. You know, when it just sounded so ubiquitous, like, for whatever, at whatever time. What it is now is unfresh. You know, well, I mean, but that doesn't matter. I, I mean, I don't, that's a, that's a, if you don't like the songs, you don't like the songs. There's shit tons of albums that you can no, hear I from the 60s. I don't dislike the songs. They sound, just sound like so many things I heard at Hole in the Wall on yeah, Thursday Yeah, and that's nights. what I said. It sounds like a great local band that you go see all the time. It's not like anything that's going to change your life or anything. But, I mean, to say it like that, it sounds unfresh. I mean, that would that would completely diminish, like, any music that well, came. Well, I suspect had I heard this in 1987, I would have been blown away. Maybe. So this is, here, this is from the um, Consequence of Sound take on this, which I thought was fascinating for a different reason, which is that it kind of gives this album the back of the hand for about half of it, and then kind of ends in a nice place. But I thought this was a this was a juxtaposition that I didn't actually take into consideration until after I'd read this little piece, which basically said that um, like the inclusion of the song "No Depression" works on two levels. Firstly, it legitimizes Uncle Tupelo's love of great country music, 
No Depression also gives the album a wry, humorous twist, although the Carter family's original number is a promise of hope for those just struggling to live through the Great Depression of the 30s. In the mouths of two young Midwestern punks, quote, I'm going where there's no depression is a quick-witted jab at the Prozac-munching world of pop psychology disguised as complaint against Hoover-era economics. Now, I don't know whether the Hoover-era economic part... Prozac-munching? Well, I I do think that, like... Like you know, kind of like we were talking about, like late eighties. Like this was this was an era where, like, uh, what was being kind of sold back to us as ways to solve problems were, you know, sometimes pharmaceutically induced. Yeah, no, like Prozac, like, like Elizabeth yeah. Wurzel's book, Prozac yeah. Nation. Note, note to self: I need to figure out how to incorporate uh, all the air quotes that Kevin throws around while oh, yeah. recording this. Yeah, podcast. Yeah, which are great and, on a podcast, yeah, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, no, it's so so. I do think it's possible that maybe there's a little double entendre in there, which of course is a country thing. So, like, whatever. I'd agree with that. Yeah, you guys want to listen to another one? Yeah, Shane, you choose. Um, I want to listen to Whiskey Bottle, but I, but but I'm not going to, um, because I want to play that that first Jeff Tweedy song, so you can just get a handle of like how different his voice is and how not great of a song. I it didn't is. even realize he sang any of them. Yeah. I thought it was all Jay Farrar. Yeah, so let's listen to this that year. Boy, he, he he developed it as something better, much better. So that, that sounds like a demo of a song you write when you're like 18 years old. Like, well, well that there, are, there are a couple demos at the end of this record. If you listen to it on Spotify, that I actually like better than the rest of the record. Oh, I didn't listen. Did you listen to the Legacy version? Uh, like I don't know. It had 19 track. tracks on it, and then they no, I didn't do the the whole. Yeah, the Legacy has all the demos on it. Yeah, I didn't do that one. Yeah, so it looks like that was that year. Looks like that year was co-written by. Farrar and Tweedy, because it sounds like the pacing on that song is very Jay Farrar, like which it totally makes sense. It, to it me. is, like, like yeah, yeah. It, it, but also, it sort of sounds like something you might have written in high school, and then they go to high school together. Yes, so. maybe they did write it in high school. I don't know. Oh, by the way, one thing we haven't talked about that I do think is kind of funny is that the original name for this band was the Primitives, and I was I like, did not know that, that, that but that's. Uh, strangely apt. It is strangely apt. I was like, that's like what every band should call themselves before they get their the primitives. Or what was it in, in uh, uh, Spinal Tap? They were called the Originals, but it turns out there was another band called the Originals, so they had to be the new Originals. <laughs> I don't remember yeah. that. But that's true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Spinal Tap. Maybe we should watch that movie one of these days. Everybody the should watch Spinal Tap at least once. If, you, if you're hearing us out here in uh, podcast land, go yeah, watch please, Spinal let's Tap. Let's not devolve into like Spinal Tap quotes for the rest of the night because it's easy. Sure, it, it would be easy. Uh, anyway, yeah, they originally my love pump. Shane. They were originally okay. called Brian. the the Primitives, but there was an English band also called the Primitives, so they couldn't stay the Primitives. So it's I like know that band that you, yeah, that you became it, the evolved Primitives, yeah, and then well, that. right, slightly they became uh, slightly more evolved, and then uh, and then Uncle Tupelo, which actually was something like a like a like an old. Uh, Poster that one of their friends drew with a fat Elvis on it, and that was is that how the the, the name came? Because oh, Tupelo I is the it, name... I assume from Tupelo, Mississippi, which is where Elvis was born. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think they. Uh, I don't remember the the full story, but I think that the the artwork came second. Like I think they they conjured the name for that band, and then uh, then the artwork came second. But anyway, um, yeah, they're originally called the Primitives. 
Yeah, that, that's amusing as hell. Yeah. Uh, it may be time for intermission. Well, okay. go on and let's do it. Tell you what. Hey now. So um, several days ago, I texted Shane, and I was like, oh, hey, uh, since we're covering the record that we're covering this go-round, I have a song that would be – technically, it's my week to pick the song at the end of the, the uh, podcast, but – You want anyway, to switch? I, yeah, I, I su- well, no, I suggested – I was like, I've got one to suggest, and Shane was like, oh, just do the middle. Because so, you really didn't want to hear How to Waste What is Love. <laughs> well, not again. Oh, it'll, it'll come back at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mark, you guys have already hurt me. Mark, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, anyway. Just try and grind the show to a halt. Anyway, uh, so uh, I wanted to. I came across a track that I hadn't heard in a while that reminded me is actually oddly the first show that I I moved to Austin in 1999, and it was the first. This was the first. Uh, somebody gave me a ticket to go to this show. And so this was at this this band that we're was about I to there? listen to. I don't think so. This is somebody that was I was at working Liberty with Lunch? at the time. But anyway, say again. Was it at Liberty Lunch? It was at La Zona Rosa. Wow, right. Yeah. So anyway, this was this was the first band that I ever saw uh, in Austin, and just it just happens to be an act that I would think, on some level, was probably influenced by the burgeoning alt country mu- movement, which at this point, you know, was was kind of a full blown thing, and uh, that's the Jayhawks. And so we're going to listen to uh, Save It for a Rainy Day. Pretty little hairdo Don't do what it used to Can't disguise the living All the miles that you've been through Looking like a train wreck Wearing too much makeup Burden that you carry more than one soul could ever bear. So sad. Don't look so sad, Marina. There's another part to play. So sad. Don't look so sad, Marina. Save it for a rainy day. Save it for a rainy day. Save it for a rainy day off of the appropriately named Rainy Day Music record from the Jayhawks circa 2003. Beautiful so. song, confusing video. It is a confusing video. Although, I, I got to agree with Shane's comment that he made while it was running, which is like pretty much anything with Mary Louise Parker in it is. I'm like going to we're gonna watch You'll it. follow that, yeah. that thread through to the end. but Yeah, I would watch that video. If I were at home right now, I probably would have watched it one more time because that song was fucking awesome. That was a... It's my second favorite Jayhawk song after Blue. I know you love yeah. Blue. Like, you've been having a hard on for that one since fucking 1995. You say that like everybody knows that. Oh, sorry. I thought everybody knew that. Yes. Yeah. At that, I've never heard that song before, and I am sufficiently impressed. Yeah. Now, there, there were. Um, and as I recall, like, it was a pretty decent show. Like, I kind of got talked into going to it. And it was around, you know, it would have been... Well, we were roommates at the time. You should have brought me. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, yeah, I can't you were retro- living with him. Oh, I'm, I'm retroactively oh, sorry, sorry if he didn't want to spend 24 hours a day with you every day. Oh, no, trust me. At the time, you definitely didn't want to spend 24 hours a day with me. That's what time. I'm saying. Anyway. Give him yeah. a little breathing room, Ryan, is all I'm saying. I definitely underappreciated the Jayhawks when I had the opportunity to appreciate them. Yeah, no, like, and I just thought that that song's like kind of... Uh, like demonstrative of the ethos of like of like these kind of country like bands with a little bit of country was like that was a little that that came out right, like around, it came out right around the same time as um I can't think of the 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 title of this album Steve Earle put out a record in like 2001 I thought this was on Tomorrow the Green Grass but it wasn't on that no, this record This came out in like 2003 nope. Okay uh what it was I I believe is that um Bands in the wake of 
uh, Uncle Tupelo. No, this was this pre- they predated Uncle Tupelo. Well, they may have been around, but I feel like um, labels were given more latitude to sign and promote bands in that kind of with that ethos. Hey, can I just point this out? Like Ryan's got this super cool like. Um like, it, it basically, he looks like his phone's, like, resting on, like, an a easel. tripod. No, it's easel more like an easel. It's right, not like yeah, a tripod. So that way he doesn't have to do any work. Like, he just can just – it's very – I like it. Snappy. I'm quite modern. I don't, I don't know where you're going with that. And it just, you've derailed it, it just our looks, line of it's sort of like inquiry. It's sort of like whenever you see a guy with a, with a, um, with a cell phone attached to his belt. Um, kind of looks like that a little bit right now. So, so one thing that I think is – wasn't apparent to me until right now, but I'm looking at the track listing from this album, and um, Matthew Sweet wrote a couple of songs. That song sounded like Matthew. Doesn't Sweet. it totally it does sound, sound like a lot like Matthew? Sweet, yeah, yeah. Now that I heard it, I was like, oh well, no wonder I've always kind of liked that track because, you know. Although I think we're all Matthew Sweet fans around. But, this but table. Yeah, my, my problem a little too much guitar, but yeah. Well, I'm sorry, Kevin. Yeah, I was just gonna say like my my challenge is is like okay, so if he's giving away good songs to other bands, there's usually only about two really good songs on. Every each Matthew Sweet record <laughs> outside of girlfriend that uh, you know that that come together. So anyway, but yeah, I I, uh, I enjoyed the track and I hadn't heard in a long time and it popped up the other day and I was like, oh, this would be a great episode to. Well, it, that it into. isn't if I'm not mistaken. Um, aren't they one of the bands that like uh, somebody left and like somebody else just took the reins? Um, they had two songwriters. That seems like. Something we haven't really talked about. Well, they broke up for a while, and then when they reformed, they broke up for like five or six years, and they got back together with the two principals. Oh, so they, they did, but like, yeah, I, it seems to me like uh, when you have two songwriters in one band, there seems to be a little friction. That makes sense to me. Oh, maybe. Yeah, variation yeah. on a theme, as it were. Well, I mean, because you have ideas of where you want that song to go. So, like, it, if you if if you want your band to have a consistent direction, I mean, it makes sense that. You know, either you write collectively or you have, like, you're going to have two competing ideas of how they they want their songs to sound. It's it almost sounds like, like we're getting to, to the get other side. Yeah. The other yeah. side here. Do, 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 do. We're going through. That, Shall we? It's pretty good, right? Let's it's right. pretty good, though, right? That was yeah, pretty good. Yeah, That's yeah, pretty good. It's like he was here. Terrible. Yeah, I felt like it. Okay, let's do it. Kevin? Yeah. Uh, will you read a headline for me? Oh, sure. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, apparently Eric Clapton just caught the year's biggest salmon in Iceland. Of course. Breaking, so we, we breaking always news. Are, we don't do this very often. But yeah, it is breaking news, and we're, we're proud of the fact that we are really... That is a big on, fish. It's a big fish. He replaced his drug habit with uh, fishing. Salmon fishing? Yeah. In well, trout and salmon fishing. Uh, the man likes to tie a fly. Apparently, and like, good on him. I used to fish a lot. He's uh, got a boat to row. Watching the Orlando Wishing Fishing Show. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, which is like, at some point, we'll have to figure out what the origin song of that is because it's totally a cover, but they just replaced the lyrics. Is I it? would, I would be curious to know as to whether he just walked up to the edge of the water and started playing that Tears in Heaven song. And the fish is like, "What the fuck, Eric Clapton?" <laughs> <laughs> I just figured the fish is like, well, kill me now, please. <laughs> well, there's two different. See, there's two different scenarios there. One is like, yes, kill me now, and the other one's like, this is the way I want to go. <laughs> Clapton is God. And, and the so banner. the quote from Mr. Clapton says, that first summer of my recovery was one of the most beautiful I can remember. Perhaps I was healthy and clean, and I began to rent some trout fishing days for myself, mostly on stretches of water in the neighborhood that had been specifically stocked for local fishermen. Fishing is an absorbing pastime and has a zen quality to it. It's an ideal pursuit for anyone who wants to think a lot and get things in perspective. It was a perfect way of getting physically fit again, involving, as it does, a great deal of walking. I would go out at the crack of dawn and often stay till nighttime. For once, I was actually becoming good at something that had nothing to do with guitar playing or music. So, hey, good on him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Don's the only crack that he's doing now. It would... (laughs) But uh, Bob Mark gets one uh, really uh, good producer, Mark. <laughs> with the zing. You just drop the mic. Hashtag. Uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah, thanks for the breaking news, fellas. <laughs> Eric Clapton caught a big fish in a small country. <laughs> right. In a, and apparently in a stocked pond. 
So that like that's specifically what that pond is for is to catch fish. I don't think this particular fish was in the stock pond, but we should probably move on anyway. Uh, back to uh, Mr. Uh, Tweedy and Farrar and their band. Mark, you had uh, something you were telling me about during the break that I thought was noteworthy. So, so uh, I I got into uh, the the world of of internet development and design uh, in early 2000, and one of the first ideas I had for for a website had to deal with this uh, this idea of crowdsourcing information, and it specifically spawned from. Jeff Tweedy and Jay Farrar, um, this idea of being able to track uh, where music originates and where music evolves, specifically kind of like this web of... Eti- uh, like etymology, like not just of the Eti- music, but of The like family tree of, yeah. of music, yeah, in a, in, in a sense. So, so let's say that you've got Jay Farrar, you've got all the people that he's played with, and that's one sphere of this web and then you've got the labels that he's worked with and you've got those bands and then how does that spider out so well and uh, you look at like the the carter family doing uh you know the name the namesake no depression song and that spawns june carter cash exactly so so you've got and and it's it's funny because it's it's actually one of the things that when you guys started this podcast that made me want to be a part of it was because i've always had this desire to know more and more and more about the history and the the interweaving of music and um so it, it it's kind of it's 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 cool that it's come up in in this particular episode that that um hearing these things about how these guys start this thing and then they go off their separate ways and wilco becomes this thing and sunvolt becomes this thing and you could almost so, argue that Sunvolt just kind of stayed, uh, you know, this act. But yeah, it's, I I think you're right. No, I mean I think that's a a smart assessment. Though. Yeah. But but I see what you're saying. But, but I mean Sunvolt, you know, there there were people that worked within that realm that that spread out to other things. Certainly. So th- that was that was what I was trying to discuss with Kevin was just yeah, this to, idea of how how music spreads and and evolves and and the the family tree and the etymology of, of music i have i've mentioned this on this podcast before but it's been long enough like it maybe was a couple of years ago and so i think it and it's connected so i'll bring it up again but the the one time that i got a chance to go to the rock and roll hall of fame in cleveland no this is probably like with cleveland dave uh cleveland Dave with uh, colby i was not there with cleveland dave but, but Dave, Colby Dave, is Dave weirdly Brady. a Cleveland Indians fan. He and is he's not and, from and a good he's not from a sidebar on stuff yeah. people don't know or care about. But uh, but anyway, yeah. So so as you walk in, um, and of course it's been years, so I'm sure that they've changed this up. But at the time, um, when you walked in the in the front door of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they had this wall that if you went up to the wall, it was kind of an etymology of sound uh, from bands. Where you could, like, for instance, the one, the example that I remember was, like, um, it was essentially a a wall of influence. So you could listen to a snippet from a band and then see where the tree went that, of the bands that they influenced, and then hit the next button over, and it would play a snippet that was clear, that clearly illustrated. Yeah, and that, that was exactly kind of what the ultimate idea was for me, was that, Oh, I like this band. Oh, well, you should listen to these bands because this is this is where this stuff went. Well, here's the other thing that's kind of funny about it is like so so the ones that the one that I remember was like listening to a snippet of the Pixies and then listening to a snippet of Nirvana, who were clearly influenced by that whole start stop start thing. And there is some of that that's that's present on No Depression. So it's like there, I do think that there's some of that like some of that style. Um, and maybe that's just the Pixies influencing everybody, but uh, but there's some, there was well, something the in the water in the, the early Beatles, '90s, and they right. loved a lot of punk stuff. Um, but one of my favorite stories in the, the Kurt Cobain biography, uh, "Heavier Than Heaven," is that um, his manager also managed the Pixies, and he was uh, going to be introduced to who was known at the time as Black Francis uh, Charles Charles. 
Um, and, he was, and Kurt Cobain was so freaked out that he wouldn't do it. Um, like, he was just like, no, I, I'm, I'm sorry. And, like, you know, people, you know, are freaked out about Nirvana. Like, a, a lot of people are, like, so overwhelmed by that band that they would, had he lived, been the same way. Uh, so there's a lot of coddling with a lot of codependent agreed people in music. God, that, do I agree. That have lots of uh, mental issues, substance abuse issues. Like I, it's sometimes like stuff like that. Like, why would you not just walk across the hall and meet him? Like, right. it's bizarre to me. Anyway, he was he was in like the next hotel room over and he was just like, I can't do it. Yeah. One foot in front of the other people. Like, but but I mean, I guess to like circling back to where Mark started, like I do think that etymology of of acts is really a fascinating pursuit, and that's kind of a little bit of what we do here, right? Is like in this case, it's like we dig through the ruins of a of an old record and try and source it out. Um, I do have a track that I think kind of that illustrates a little bit of that start stop thing being present on this record. So I think for the next one. Uh, why don't we do Factory Belt? Sounds like a good plan. What's going on? What's up, madnesses? Walking about like a change in point of view. Someday, but I feel my patience slipping away. Looks like it's time to lay this burden down Stop messing around Don't want to go to the grave without a sound Get a soul place to rest Not to ride on the factory belt Not to ride on the factory belt So yeah, that totally sounds like a Sunvolt track for for good reason. But um, and one one more little tiny snippet from this consequence of sound review, um, specific to like kind of comparisons that were happening at the time with the fact that Nirvana was taking over the world and some of the other things that were happening in in rock at the time. Anyway, said so No Depression is irrevocably one of the most influential records of the '90s. It may not have made it into as many homes as Nevermind, but No Depression. In the opinion of this guy is at least is responsible for the way that indie rock sounds now, even though its sales figures may not make up a hundredth of, of that other albums. So I don't know. Like, well, at least on that track, like so much of like the the stop start dynamics and the higher tempos is what really goes into that. I mean, like it's, it's yeah, it's Americana, but like right there on that track, the speed it Americana. More, sort of. I don't understand where the Americana thing comes from. It just sounds like proto. Like indie rock, it just sounds like the replacements. It, it doesn't sound like Americana in any way to me. Or the Minutemen, or like yeah, or yeah. There's a lot of that stuff. I don't. I mean, just because like later on his band became Americana, that doesn't sound like that at all to me personally. Dust me. Uh, maybe I'm influenced by the rest of the record and the twanginess of the rest of the it's record. It's the way that he twangly sings. It's the twang but I mean, vocal, I, yeah. I, I, I challenge you to do this because you make up your mind immediately when you listen to something because of it's stuff so you've heard mad. before. I, love it. I don't get uh, mad at you. It's just you get you're, you're, you're super frustrated right now. I, get, I'm loving I am, it. I am frustrated. Broad smile right now. I, go I, ahead. I, 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 I challenge you to do this. Go listen to this, and you won't do it. But go listen to this album and go listen to Anodyne. Listen to them back to back and tell me which one is the alt country one and which one is the proto indie rock one they're they're completely different bands i do think it's really fascinating that like we all can kind of agree that like sun like the direction that has become sunvolt sounds a lot more like uncle tupelo than what wilco has become but the but before to to circle back to what you were saying earlier in the podcast shane like am is a very uncle tupelo sounding record and it's because like it per Per Tweety, he was like, I just wasn't finished exploring that space. Well, yet. and a like, lot of it was, too. Like, I mean, he essentially took the band from Sunvolt or from Uncle Tupelo with him. So, I mean, of course, like, they had been writing those well, you songs. Did, you were discussing, like, the personnel changes. So who took what with who? Yeah, so this is a point of some, like, I'm not I'm not totally sold on he took the band. He took, he ended up with three guys and, uh, like, or took and two the, guys he, and the other. No, he took three. He, he mean, took Ken Coomer. He meaning uh, Jay Farrar? No, they, no, Jeff Tweedy. Oh, Jeff Tweedy. They became it. a five-piece later. They the, became the a five-piece, but he took. But Jeff Tweedy took three of the people that were in, in Uncle Tupelo, 
and the other guy left, and then Jay Farrar took the old drummer who was no longer playing in Uncle Tupelo with him to Sunvolt. When they were, yeah, when they were, when they were a three-piece, two of the three guys are in Sunvolt, and one of them is Jeff Tweedy. So it's like, yeah, Shane's right too. Like the no, no, three of the like, guys, like, there were three of like Tweedy plus three other guys were in Wilco, and then Jay Farrar took the old drummer from Sunvolt or from. Uncle Tupelo, who was no longer in the band, got him in Sunvolt. Anyway, uh, I don't remember where we'd started before we did. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so anyway, like so, so he had all of those. So what you were saying is that, yeah, I mean, like he had all of those guys. Of course, they're writing that way. They're finding their. So, so let me pause, pause the question to you guys. Uh, if you're talking personality-wise, um, would you think that Jay Farrar is the more dominating personality, and that's why his – style dominated this band and um jeff Tweedy was able to kind of go off and do different i think directions. he was the more seasoned musician in the beginning and that dictated the sound of the band. yeah i right. think I, I agree with kevin i think his songs were more done if you look like i said earlier in this podcast like if you and he's older he's one year older but i mean but his songs were more polished they were they were better written than Tweedy's were at this time if you go back and listen to this record i mean in my opinion, the Jeff Tweedy songs, and it hurts to say this because of such of a how much of a fan I am of Jeff Tweedy, are the shittiest songs on this record by a long shot. Well, right. Jay yeah, Farrar yeah. had let me uh, let me say one sure. one thing real quick. Jay Farrar had a very focused and concise voice early on, and it never really changed. No, he didn't develop at all. And you look at uh, Jeff Tweedy like. He's gone through all kinds of changes. He, he didn't just change. He became one of the best, in my opinion, like songwriters, uh, American songwriters of the last 25 years. Well, our, our friend Phil would say uh, the progenitor of dad rock. Right. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but, the, but the, before we sidebar onto that for seven we hours, actually, like the, the thing about uh, that strikes me about Tweedy with regard to this record and then looking forward to the, to the rest of his career has been like he was the guy – because he didn't he didn't start out knowing as much as Farrar uh, and wasn't already in bands and whatever. He was the dude who was like sweeping up in the control room, just trying to be in the space to try and figure it out. And so I he was I, just excited to be there. Yeah, totally. So I the impression that I have gotten is that is that he has hustled harder. Like I think there's probably some of that, and then talent too. Like, course, yeah. like don't don't underestimate like, the talent. Yeah. I think it's work. I, I, people don't really understand this kind of like that. Aren't inside of that that bubble? Um, there's a lot of work, like like boots on the fucking ground, and just working and working and editing. And well, no, a lot of it's like I, I've seen you write songs and like get frustrated with I, yourself. And oh, you talking about me? I'm talking about you. Oh, okay. And but you also like it. stuff that I've done, like you know, business wise. And there are a million little uh, factors that can go into like why a band becomes bigger than it's not about band. why one band becomes i'm just saying like it's undeniable that tweedy is a more if not a better writer than jay farrar definitely a more expansive writer than jay farrar and that comes through and no more small accomplished part to, like and more accomplished point, yeah. but it comes through no no small part from jay farrar might have got bored of like the 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 work oh, and the music wanna, business he, too like it, he just he liked to write the songs he liked to write I mean and, we can't we can't you speculate Jay Farrar kind of had his thing he he was he was successful with what he was writing and right. Jeff Tweedy was finding his own and he branched out and he but two different things it's apples and oranges and I hate to say that but in that way but I mean it's far be it for us to get inside the minds of those two people and understand you know like Jay Farrar maybe the, like the songs that the stylistically that he liked to write. Are the ones he kept writing. Can anybody name me a Sunvolt record other than the one that had, uh, what was it, Drown on it? Take This Job and Show It. Okay, that's a that's a Sunvolt record? Uh, that, oh, that's actually Johnny Paycheck. I'm sorry. <laughs> close. Real close. Johnny Paycheck. By about 40 years. Hey, so, um, so there was a Chicago Tribune article that ran in March where, um, well, first of all, um, Shane, did you hear anything about... Uh, Tweet from Jason Isbell, the singer songwriter from the Drive By Truckers. Oh, who, I'm who very had, familiar with Jason. Who had a hot take on on Sunvolt and Wilco? No, he says uh, he tweeted. I think we can now safely say that both Sunvolt and Wilco have turned out to be better than Uncle Tupelo. 
uh, hashtag alt country take. Uh, Isbell wrote in early March, it drew a long stream of responses, proof that the Tweety Farrar split still resonates deeply with fans of the music. And so they, so this guy's interviewing Farrar. This was in March. I guess he was playing a show in Chicago or whatever. Jason Isbell was No, um, no. The, the interview, the writer from the Chicago Tribune who was interviewing Jay Farrar because Farrar's band was doing a show in Chicago, uh, put this to Farrar and, and he said, you know, he said, Basically, he said it was too many songs for one band. Uh, he says Jason has a similar perspective to draw from there. But anyway, the reason I read that little blurb is that uh, he goes on to say that um, Farrar and Tweedy got back in touch uh, somewhat recently. He found Farrar found some old demo songs from the second Uncle, Uncle Tupelo record, um, Still Feel Gone. And he thought they were good representations, uh, his words, of what Uncle Tupelo was doing at the time. It was just a kind of powering through all the new songs that we've been doing live. I felt like it was something that should be looked at for a possible release. I communicated with Jeff via email, so that was good. So they've been emailing a little bit. Who knows if it'll ever make any difference or if it should. But uh, for for one of the things. It's amazing to me that these guys who are like so connected. Yeah. They're like, you know, like uh, origin story. Yeah. Barely talk. And they're just like, "Eh, I'll shoot you an email about this thing. You know who I want to bring up? The split. I almost want to not bring him up because because it was, it will satiate Kevin uh, in his it continued um, arrogance. I'm not arrogance. Anger. Um, it's not necessarily anger. He's just annoyed that we bring it up every show. Oh, oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, okay. Uh, so I'll leave. I'll leave it. I'll leave it for this. Sh- I'll leave it alone. This show. Not I honestly. I, al- I, I, I also wasn't even thinking about that. I won't, like, I won't. I won't bring it up this time. But but um. Uh, okay. Off camera. Ryan. So um, Morrissey and Johnny Marr got together. And who a, are these people? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Had a beer. And. Uh, oh really? Oh yeah. We'll talk about Dude, it later. I'm so fascinated. Wait, are we recording? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, origin stories are fascinating, especially when. Bands that have had some success break up contentiously, and I think you could certainly make that case about the Smiths I or think, about uh, oh, he or about it. Wilco yeah, or came out of his face. We Uncle didn't do Tupelo it. or about um, Oasis or about a lot of other. There's a, like, there's a uh, lot. Like, it's weird how contentious it gets. You're completely right. I find it fascinating. Um, I think that is Jason Isbell, who I think is a fucking stud of a songwriter right now. He's an excellent songwriter. Yeah. I'm he, doing that. He, uh, I think he's totally right. Like, the the bait is settled. I mean, we can settle it on this album. I listened to Anodyne while I was listening to this, and I'm like, I would You're so like, much I rather I wish I could listen. only hear one of these. Oh, no, I just want to, I would rather <laughs> listen to Wilco or Sunbowl. You know, like the Uncle Tupelo. Like, it's little kids making music, and they got better at making that music later. Hey, by the way, I'll throw this that out, way. and we're not going to, we won't have to go down the rabbit hole of this, but, um, Tweety's wife hates Summer Teeth, which I love that record. Like I Wrong. adore that record, but she, well, no, she feels the way she feels. But, um, but anyway, like, yeah, I do think that like Shane crazy loves that record. I, so do, I do too. Like top ten yeah. records of the nineties. No, for sure. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. But um, not Mrs. Tweety. So anyway, um, I think that has less to do with the music on it and more to do with uh, living, what was going living on. with Jeff Tweedy at the time or whatever. Perhaps. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that that album really did signify a switch. It's that like, was, that it's was where they switched record. from the alt country to, like, pop, pop genius. Stuff. Okay, so uh, anyway, um, Ryan, thanks for letting us uh, cuss and discuss. Yeah, uh, that, that was fun. Who's got uh, Who's got the last uh, track here? I guess it's you, Shane. It's me. Switch. Yeah, since we had such a good time listening to Kendrick Lamar a couple of weeks ago, he's got a new video out. Let's do some Kendrick again. Here we go. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a. I don't give a. I don't give a fuck. I'm willing to die for this shit. I done cried for this shit. Might take a lie for this shit. Put the Bible down and go out for a knife for this shit. Dot my enemy won't catch a vibe for this shit. Aye. I've been stumped out in front of my mama. My daddy commissary made it to commas. Bitch, all my grandma's dead. So ain't nobody praying for me. I'm on your head. Ayy. 30 millions later, no defense watching. Auntie on my telegram like, be cautious. I be hanging out at Tams. I be on Stockton. I don't do it for the ground. I do it for Compton. I'm willing to die for the shit, nigga. I take your fucking life for the shit, nigga. We ain't going back to broke. Family selling dope. That's why you mini ass rap niggas better know. If I gotta slap a pussy ass nigga, I'ma make it look sexy. If I gotta go hard on a bitch, I'ma make it look sexy. 
I pull up, hop out, that route made it look sexy. They won't take me on my element. Nah, it's kind of like the anti-gangster rap video in some ways. Like, I have dude, to say, but you know who that that's falling on deaf ears to? Half of the country, who? Man, I think it's a decent song. I don't want that fucking word around me at all. And the other half of the country that doesn't oh. agree with me politically is going to like see that as something that it's. Oh, not. I refuse uh, to have this conversation. Uh, it's yeah. not your place to fucking to get in to get up there. Oh, shouldn't be. Are you talking about? Here's here's what I think. I think that that uh, whoever is whoever shot this, like cinematically, without fail, regardless of whatever the subject matter is, Kendrick, all Kendrick Lamar videos are visually arresting. Like I thought, like it's a, a like, beautifully shot it's video. A it's a really good song. Well, you, well, you're, what, what are you talking about? Like your your fixation on that word, you were completely taking you out of what that song is about. That song is about seeing violence on your block and seeing like then it's. Being glorified by the people on your block and in music and in videos. You're right. And it's just, I mean, what you're fixating on completely takes the message out of what that song completely is. And you're right. And, and it's not up to you to make the fucking decision of who can say that word or not. I have a problem with that word because people use it out of context. Uh, Was he in that video? You just make this shit about yourself sometimes, dude. Well... I don't Be know. pissed all like, you want. Like, I just I'm not pissed. I'm just you say this shit sometimes, and you refuse to like listen. Like it's like you make up your. It's like one little thing just like sticks in your head and sticks in your car, and you can't listen. I to actually the, think the song is good. I like the video. I like the the photography. I know, but you choose to come out of it with something that had nothing because to I've be been, about the lesson of the song. I'm not disagreeing with you at all about the lesson of the song or about the, the quality of the video but or anything. I just know. That there are going to be some fucking people in this country so who are going to take it the it wrong way. Years, all right, so Ryan, how does so that change anything? So let's all agree. Let's all agree that 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 we're unified in condemning that word. Okay, so we're on the same page. Beyond that, correct. Like, let's talk about the song. Like, beyond the beyond it's the crutch of language, it's a like, great video. Like, I, I'm I have no problems with any of that. I just thought, like, for me personally, I haven't seen the video, and I thought the song was decent. Um, I was really, I felt really emotionally moved by the video, but I find it extremely bizarre in 2017 that this argument that this has been going on since 1992 that I can choose to ignore uh, between white people that live in middle America, and somehow that takes you out of the the, the message of, of that video and the song. Like, that's what you choose to fixate on? Didn't take me out of it. I just know how some people are going to take it. Anyway, yeah, like, again, I think we can all agree that that sometimes language can, can be a barrier to, to getting to a, a, a place of trying to, in this case, like, trying to interpret art. So where the art is concerned, and, and you know, I'm given... I'm all about the art in this. Given, like, like so... You know, like within the context, certainly within the context of Kendrick Lamar's other work, like, I don't know, where did it strike you, Shane? Like, what was your, what was your takeaway within the pantheon of what he's brought to the table? Well, I mean, he grew up in, uh, you know, the, the, um, in Bompton, like the blood side of, of Compton. I mean, this guy, this little bitty guy, like, chose to, I mean, his life was crazy. And so for him to, like, put some, I think it's very, I think it's ballsy to basically in that entire video, which is to is to turn the lens back on on the violence that's prevalent in that community, and say like, and then to to say like, you know, basically say like, we make this violence glamorous, but it's not, and then to show like how it's not glamorous and go back and forth like that. I thought like a really affecting scene was where the guy was trying to teach the little kid to hit him in the face, the older man like you got to learn how to fight. You know, I thought that was yeah. I'm totally. On your level with this, I thought the intensity of this video really got to me, and yeah, it it, it seemed like I said the anti-gangster rap video. You know, it's like it showed all those all those guys, you know, all those gangbangers and stuff, and then it just it just had a, so many different so many different like elements to to it that um that took away from that that glamorization and fully said it in the song, like you know we're you know this is. This is bullshit. Like glamour. Like I'm gonna. He said like something about um, violence against woman. I'm gonna make this sexy. You know, like yeah. the point that we're having this discussion is probably like what he was even going for. 
My point is that there are a lot of dumb people in this fucking country that aren't going to take this the right way. But why would you, in a million years, consider that when you consider art? Like, w- would you sit down? If Dude, no, I want to. Like, well, I, no, I don't no, want to no, go no, watch. No, that's, that's I don't want to go look at like all Robert Mablethorpe uh, photos. Oh, are we but, talking about Robert Mablethorpe? We're talking about fucking Kendrick Lamar, the most popular rapper in the world right now. What I'm saying is that Ryan. If you if you're going to create art, be it I'm visual, not telling him he shouldn't do it. I'm just saying it's going to have an effect. How is it going to have an effect? I mean, seriously, we don't live in 1987 anymore. I mean, how is that going to have an effect? Right now, that song is the most popular song in the world. We should have this discussion off mic. Uh, it's just absurd. It makes no sense. And why would you? Why it would, makes no sense anyway. that I think that some dumb people who voted for the wrong person are going to. Take this the wrong way. Here's so here's what the I think this can all be simplified by uh, suggesting that if he wanted to begin discourse, he's begun discourse. Certainly happened in yeah. this room. So anyway, and Shane, thanks to. for yeah, and I, and I applaud him for that. Great, it's a good video. It's a good song. Nobody wins. Nobody wins this. Yeah. So like anyway, but uh, I, I think I think your point being that that the video sparks the conversation certainly. As well, I think sure wanted it to. And was his plan? Well, and and like you can also make the argument too that it's harder. It's harder to spur. Like people have seen everything. There are a thousand different channels. Like movies go farther than they've ever gone before. Like to really grab people by the lapel and get their attention, you have to do something that is that really uh, asks people to commit to to feeling. And um, Kendrick Lamar is not a shy artist. So anyway, that is very much true. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I appreciate Shane bringing it up and and, I and sparking the, the conversation. I enjoyed here. the video. Shane's mad. It's okay. I, I am a little bit pissed, but not about because of that. I'm just you're 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 taking something. You're taking like the smallest little element that uh, like the tangential element really. You could talk about it all day long. I don't want to talk about it. I want to just not talk about it ever again. Okay. So next week. <laughs> What you got next week? Uh, uh, bring it up lighter, <laughs> Jeez. shall we? Like, yeah. So next week, uh, yeah, next week we're gonna um, we're gonna explore a San Francisco artist that put out her first record this year. Um, I'm just gonna we're just going with all J stuff. So um, her name, she the uh, act is called J Som, and uh, we're gonna give it a spin uh, next time we get together. I was just wondering if you're gonna gonna do something new because. It is new. It came out yeah, in March. I know. I know. Yeah. No, that's, that's usually, that's usually your, thing. your wheelhouse. Yeah. He's, he's the new guy. Yeah. So anyway, and well, and we've taken, you know, like we've taken some trips uh, back to the land of shag carpet. And in this case, you know, old whiskey. We shan't be. So, so old we, will, whiskey. we will not do that. We will not do that next week. Uh, anyway, uh, until then, I'm Kevin. I'm Ryan. Shane. And I'm Mark. This is Somebody Likes It. <laughs> Whatofus.net has been your one-stop shop for all things geek for years. But there's a side to them many of you have never heard. The subscription side. Subscribe and listen to great podcasts like The Breakfast Pub, The Original Gentleman, and the Watch a Movie With Us series. Head on over to oneofus.net and don't forget your towel.